like to welcome you to a special five-part series on working with monitors. This podcast series is sponsored by Affiliated Monitors. A word about Affiliated Monitors. Founded in 2004, Affiliated Monitors provides professional, independent integrity monitoring, ethics and compliance assessments nationally and internationally and across all industries. With its knowledge of effective ethics and compliance programs, Affiliated Monitors is respected for its work as a corporate monitor on matters ranging from multinational corporations to small and mid-sized companies and even individuals. Having served in over 700 monitorships, no one has more experience as an independent monitor than the team at Affiliated Monitors. In this podcast series, I'm joined by Don Stern, the Managing Director of Corporate Monitoring and Consulting Services at Affiliated Monitors. We're going to take a look at concerns and fears people have of working with monitors, what the positive aspects of working with monitors are, how monitors go about their jobs, the regulators' use of monitors, both in civil and criminal matters, and finally, how attorneys use monitors to resolve white-collar and other matters. I know you'll find it to be a very interesting series going forward. This series, Working with Monitors, is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back again for another episode of Working with Monitors, our five-part series that I'm doing with Don Stern, the Managing Director of Corporate Monitors and Consulting Services at Affiliated Monitors. Today, we're going to take up a topic that I really wanted to ask Don and something that uh, I've been intrigued about for a long time. And Don, it is basically how do monitors go about their work? Uh, What do you guys actually do? So I'm going to really open it up and, and let you educate me today. Well, for us at least, the affiliated monitors, the, the starting point is is understanding what the mission of the monitorship is. So we, we begin really uh, at the beginning. We meet, you know, sometimes t- typically separately with the government agency to get an, uh, an appreciation, understanding as to why they think things have reached that point, uh, what they see as the problems in the company, what they see as the problems in the industry. And then, of course, we do the same thing. With the company, you know, often outside counsel will who who have been sort of living with the whatever the precipitating cause or problem which led to the settlement with the government or the investigation, they've lived with it for years. And in many cases, by the way, the company has already remediated significant portions of the problem. So, you know, as you know, Tom, you know, an investigation might begin in 2014. Uh, you reach a resolution with the government in, in 2018, and if the company's doing its job, it didn't stand still, and it it has is, is actually fixed some of the things. So we we want to get an understanding as a baseline, really. You know, how do you get to this point? What have you done since? You know, what are the challenges you see going ahead? And then we spend time, at least initially. Uh, looking at the paper, looking at the code of conduct, looking at the training manuals, looking at the online courses that are typically given for most companies as part of an ethics and compliance program. Uh, what does a whistleblower policy look like? What kind of resources do they have to investigate whistleblower complaints? Are, are there is there independence and protection so uh, there is no retaliation? What's the role of the audit committee of the board of directors, what's the qualifications and uh, experience of the chief compliance officer. So all of that is, at least initially, a little bit of a paper exercise, just again, understanding uh, the company, uh, I, 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 you know, tied to very much what the 
mission is of the monitor. The monitor is not there as a sort of a free-floating, let's make life better. The monitor has a particular focus and a particular goal and a particular set of tasks. And so that we are, we're always brought back to that. And then it's, then it's very much a people exercise. Um, the, the, the thing that is often obvious relatively early on, uh, one way or the other, is whether the company has a paper program uh, or, or a real program. And we spend a lot of time both at the higher levels of the company, but maybe even more interesting and significant at the, at the middle and lower levels of the company. And we do it with one-on-one -on -one interviews. Uh, we do it with site visits to particular offices. Uh, we do it with focus groups where we get people at the same level so we don't get middle managers and upper managers together in one room so there's no fear that, that you know that they're being evaluated um and we get people to talk and and i have to say i've, I've been pleasantly surprised in the five years that i've been working with affiliated monitors people talk um you know even, even in front of other colleagues they'll they'll you know if you ask them for example well what would you do if you if you became aware that um you know, one of your colleagues was, was paying off a government official, what would you do? I, I wouldn't do anything. Why not? Well, because that would be snitching. Or I wouldn't do anything because I'd get into trouble. Um, and my boss would find out and I'd be fired. So there, there is a, a, a kind of a learning experience. And, um, you know, sometimes we, we reach conclusions relatively quickly, but sometimes it takes a little bit of digging to to kind of understand not just the mechanics, but the culture of the company, what tone is being set at the top, what tone is being set at the middle. So th that in, in, a, in a kind of a, in a very much of an overview, that's, that's what we do. And then we report to the company. We, we don't believe, affiliated monitors at least, we don't believe in surprises. We will report to the company what we're finding. And, and then um, depending upon how the monitor shippers structured, whether it's a, it's a written report or some, something else, we will report honestly to the government agency, if a government agency is involved, as to not only the problems, but, I, but and this is, I think, an important point. We, we, we really work hard to give credit to the company to show and to demonstrate where there have been changes, where there have been positive changes. It's a little bit of a carrot and stick approach, but, but we want to reward good behavior. Um, and, and one way to reward good behavior is not to have a report which focuses on the six things that the company has done wrong, but to describe the 10 things which, have, which the company is doing right and, and that the government agency ought to know about. So one of the um, uh, areas, though, uh, you've talked in uh, some great detail about a tactical approach where you actually interview a large number of employees, it sounds like from the boardroom down to the shop floor and everything in between. How do you translate that sort of detailed information to a go-forward plan, remediation plan, or even just some suggestions on uh, if they have a compliance program, some upgrades or enhancements they could make? Well, well some of it is, is just sort of the um, for lack of a better term the sort of the, the feeling the gestalt of the company and how it, and how it's working so you know if you if you're in a in a, in a meeting with a, and, and, and over and over again you you ask people well have you you know you read the if you read the code of conduct or um, 
could you describe for us what the code of conduct says? And they said, well, I don't know. I don't have any idea. Well, you know, you signed the certification saying you read the code of conduct. Yeah, but I, everyone signs the certification. That, that, you know, that doesn't mean I read it. Well, that becomes, it means that the, that the, the training is not working. Um, there's a, there has to be, a, and each company is different. There's not a one-size-fits-all for ethics and compliance programs, which, by the way, is sometimes a problem because, you know, they'll, companies will buy off-the-shelf programs and not tailor it either to their own industry or to their own company and the needs of their own company. So that one, I mean, that's just an example that comes to mind. That's sort of an easy one, which is we report back to, you know, management. You've got to make some changes here. Uh, you've, you, you've got to, uh, you're training, you're spending a lot of money on training, but it's a pro forma training, which is, which is not taking, um, Similarly, if, if in the course of an interview, uh, we learn that, that people just will not use the hotline because they believe that the hotline is being monitored uh, by inside the you know, general counsel's office or somebody, it's not going to an independent, it's not truly independent, and they, are, and they have war stories of friends of theirs that have used the hotline and then found themselves in hot water, um, that will find its way into a recommendation. Uh, as to how the the company needs to change. I mean, the value of a hotline is that um, you, you hope that people will come forward face to face and raise issues, but that's not, again, the way the, the world works all the time. A hotline is kind of a safety valve. An independent hotline is a safety valve, so that employees know, in in, in if they're concerned, they can report something, sometimes anonymously, and and have it in good faith followed up. So each of these, it's not as if we take one person's observation, one person's word and say, okay, this is a recommendation. But, you know, you, you really do um, get a sense as to, as to what's working and what's not. And we will um, weave that into recommendations back to the company and in some cases, observations to the government. Uh, we talked about this in a little, a uh, little bit in an earlier podcast, but I was wondering, Don, about your experience when you actually sit down with employees and you find that to be a cathartic experience for them to be able to either get something off their chest or communicate something they didn't feel like they could communicate previously. Uh, is that something that you can actually build upon by communicating to management and putting in processes and procedures in place to take advantage of that really cathartic event, or is that just too meta? Well, it's a good, it's a good question. I mean, some of the, the 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 process is because we are third party independents, and that 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 has some added um, it changes the dynamics a bit. But there are opportunities for companies to um, to listen to employees in, in 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 a positive way. So one of the things that will often um, happen, and, and some companies do this already, some companies. Um, we'll, we'll move towards that, and sometimes we will explicitly recommend this, is to not have the compliance and ethics training um, materials discussions only be at sort of the macro level. You know, the CEO will send a, 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 something on the website, which is, we are a compliant company, we're an ethics com- ethical company, et cetera. And that's, you know, in, in the mind of the CEO, that quote is the tone at the top. But but that can be undercut by middle management very easily. 
So unless little management, unless upper management, middle management are, you know, constantly underscoring and repeating that theme, um, that's going to be what people will listen to. So sometimes, you know, back back to your question, we will. Uh, we've I, I've seen very effective compliance programs where, um, in relatively small groups, people will share ethical issues, concerns, approaches, and um, and, and give employees an opportunity to to talk about it. I'll give you one quick example. You know, we we looked at a company. Um, their ethics and compliance program, and it was a, a company that was in the had, had, it was kind of an engineering and manufacturing company. They had a tremendous safety record, <clears throat> and they they prided themselves on everyone being extremely safety conscious. And every and every meeting um, in the company, whatever the purpose of the meeting, would often begin with a safety moment, which is that they basically somebody in that group would 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 basically be asked just one person, could you Tell us an example of something you did where you, you did it because you were conscious and aware of the importance of safety to this company. And that's what they did. They didn't do anything at all like that when it came to ethics and compliance, but they started to do it. And they, they, they got people engaged in the process. So people would go to a meeting and, and, you know, we weren't suggesting they do this at every meeting, every day, every week, but every once in a while, someone would say, you know, I got a call from a one of our our vendors and they you know they they wanted to take me to the baseball game they offered me you know four tickets to the baseball game i felt conflicted because i i really want to go to the game but i know our policy says you shouldn't do it how have people dealt with that what what do i say to to the to the customer um or to the vendor which you know makes makes him or her understand that i, I just can't accept the tickets and they have a dialogue and and that is important. It lets people feel that they have an opportunity to be part of the process. Ethics and compliance is not something imposed on them, but something that uh, is, is sort of part and parcel of their job and part and parcel of their responsibility. So, Don, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but I've been visiting with Don Stern today, and we've been talking about how monitors go about their job. I hope you'll join us for our next episode, where we consider how regulators might use monitors and looking at, or rather, monitoring probationary conditions. Don, thank you. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of my special five-part series on working with monitors, sponsored by Affiliated Monitors, Inc. If you have any questions of Don, you can reach him at don.stern at affiliatedmonitors.com. Hope you will listen for our next episode on Working with Monitors. This special series, Working with Monitors, is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.